Everybody, that's an underwhelming response. Good morning. morning. Welcome to the 10:30:45 service. <laughs> we had an amazing service um, at 9 a.m. and we're in for a good time in God's presence this morning. So why don't you jump to your feet? Jump real quickly. Beautiful. All these gorgeous ones down the front. We really lift up Jesus this morning. God is good. He's worthy of our praise. We're going to give him the best praise we can this morning. Yep. Let's do this. Let's pump the track, bro. Breaking open every tide of mine. Your love is breathing out into my life. You take my burden and you make it light. You make it light. Choose to follow you for all my life. I know that you were always by my side. You're by my side. And everything we do, we choose. Everything we do, we choose to praise you. No matter what they say, we will go your way. Dancing to your feet, we can't contain it. We're letting heaven loose as we celebrate. This is how we party. Take my burden and you make it light. You make it light. Bringing a sound, bringing a sound. It's gonna break, break the night. I choose to follow you for all my life. I know that you were always by my side. You're by my side. And everything we do, we choose to praise you. No matter what they say, we will go your way. 
clap my hands at. Let's sing this out. This, this is how we party. We define the party. Okay, everybody, I want you to sing, I want you to sing this. I throw my hands to the sky. And what is that? Because I feel so alive. Because I feel so alive. And I want to bring you praise. And I want to bring you praise. I throw my hands to the sky because I feel so alive. And I want to bring you praise. I throw my hands to the sky cause I feel so alive and I want to bring you praise. That's good man, real good, real good. Cool new song coming up, pump that track bro.
response will always be to praise no matter what comes i know that i will always choose to praise forever I love the bridge of that song or whatever it is, pre-chorus. Don't think it's got a bridge. It's only got one verse. <laughs> but it says, my response will always be to praise. No matter what comes, I know that I will always choose to praise. Those are powerful words. They, they suggest that it's independent of our circumstances, that praise is independent of our situations. Praise is dependent on the goodness of God on Jesus Christ having done it all on the cross for us. And because of that, we're free people. Is anyone glad about that this morning? Oh, okay, just lift up a shout of praise to Jesus in this morning. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. My response will always be to praise. My response will always be to praise, yeah. Sorry, I read the wrong part of the sheet. I wasn't ready. I was thinking, are we going straight? Hey, how are you doing? It is good to see you this morning. Isn't it great to have Pastors Wayne and Libby with us today? How about giving them a great welcome? We had a great first gathering at nine, and God is going to move today, I'm sure of it. I woke up with this thought on my mind this morning, and it was simply this. Don't make it harder than what it needs to be. It's so good sharing it. Don't make it harder than what it needs to be. We simply want to come into the presence of God this morning. We want to lift yeah. Him up, celebrate Him, praise Him, yeah. worship Him, hear from Him, interact with Him, encounter Him. Yeah. And He's already here. Yeah. So how hard is that? It's and He's done sure. everything. <laughs> he's here. You're here. I'm here. Piece of cake got a bit of appetite. Fantastic. Well, welcome. It is great to see you. How about turning around and say hello to three or four people before you grab a seat. Tell them they're exceedingly good looking. They've made a great choice coming out this morning. Hello. 
let's pray, shall we? Father, I thank you that we can gather, that we can celebrate. I thank you that all around our city, around our nation, even at this moment, people have come together. The body of Christ has come together and that we celebrate you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so it's our honour this morning to be able to give you our, give you our attention, to be able to lift you up, to celebrate you, to worship you, to engage with you. And so Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. And not only are you here, but this is your meeting. This is your gathering. And so we want to hear what you've got to say. We want to encounter you, the living God. And so my prayer would be that every person in this place encounters you this morning. That as we leave, the words coming from our mouth would be, I encountered God this morning. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of things I need to let you know about. I will tell you about after we recognize birthdays and anniversaries. Who's had a birthday or an anniversary in the last week? Oh, here we go. Lance and Sue. Was it 49? 45. Sorry. Prematurely aging you. And a birthday. A birthday for Sue and a 45th wedding anniversary for the couple. That's worth celebrating. Wonderful. Birthdays. Fantastic. Happy birthday. You need to go that way, Lance, because I know... Are there any other birthdays or... Well, come this way. Come on, come out. You can hide low, but you can't hide that low. Happy birthday. You've got to get that chocolate. Stay here, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for everybody. So... No other birthday celebrations this weekend, this week. A special few. Happy birthdays. Happy wedding anniversary. Church, would you like to jump up on your feet? We are going to declare God's blessing. I love doing this. It's a great privilege to declare blessing over any person. So here we go. Ready? Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, purpose, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a fantastic year. Wonderful. Well, there are a couple of things I need to let you know about. Over the next couple of days, we're hosting, as a church, we're hosting the Sozo training event uh, for this area of the country. And tomorrow night, there's an event that everybody's invited to. It's been called uh, Encounter Night, an Encounter with God Night. And um, you're invited to come to that. Now, there is a door charge on that of $10 per head or $20 per family. The cost isn't to cover you encountering God. That part's free. The cost is to cover the cost of having the conference here over the next few days. So um, it will be a great event. And you're most welcome to come. It's at 7.30 p.m. So that's Monday, Tuesday, that event. What it means for this week only, there is no prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Oh, I know. We don't change that for anything, but we have for this thing. So, which means we do change it for some things. But 
just make a mental note of that. There's no prayer meeting this this Tuesday night, but then it will be the week after. Hey, Father's Day is coming up on the 3rd of September, which isn't far away. And on that morning, we're going to do one combined meeting, okay? So there'll be no 9, no 10.30. It'll be 10 a.m. only. And I would advise that you try and get here a bit early or else you might struggle to get a seat. So it'll be 10 a.m. only on Father's Day. That'll be great. Also, hopefully as you came in this morning, you got one of these flyers. On the 6th of September, we have this Business Plus event coming up. And the guest speaker for the evening is Andrew King. Andrew King is our mayor here in Hamilton. And he's going to be sharing his life story. And uh, he's an amazing man. He's got a great journey to share about. And um, isn't it awesome having a mayor of our city who's a committed follower, disciple of Jesus Christ? And so I encourage you to come out, hear his story. You will encourage him simply by being here. So that would be great. That's on the 6th, 6th of September. Well, we're going to let the kids go. Why don't you stand up, kids? Let's pray for the... Shall we pray for your leaders? Are you going to be good for the leaders today? I like that. That positive note's awesome. Father, bless the leaders. I thank you for great kids' church leaders and wonderful children. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great time. celebrate communion together this morning so if the host team could start to distribute that please that would be great thanks Lance you've got your Bibles I hope you have how about turning to Romans chapter 10 on your device you can go there on your device if that works for you just make sure you're on Bible not Facebook I can't tell, but God knows. <laughs> Romans chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 1 through to about 13 this morning. It says, this letter... Oh, no, I've ended up in chapter 1. That'll be a long read. Just wait a moment. It'll be a real long read. <laughs> Cheap seats have been rude to me. Here we go. Chapter 10, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with Him. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling on to their own way of getting right with God and trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in Him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. 
But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth and who, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back up to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in God will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love this passage of Scripture, and for me, it's speaking directly into what we're celebrating around communion. We're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating His life, His death, His resurrection. We're celebrating the fact that because of Jesus and what He did, we can now have connection with God, intimate connection. That connection was lost in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve broke it. But because of Jesus, it's been restored. And our side of the equation is actually very, very simple. There's only two things that need to happen on our side of the equation for the restoration of the relationship or the the connection with Jesus to be made. And it's this. It says, number one, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It says that's how we're made right with Him. That's where our righteousness comes from. It comes from the Lord as we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Why don't you confess with your mouth now that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It's pretty hard. Some of you are trying to do it with your mouth closed. Impossible. It says confess with your mouth. In other words, use your words. Now I sound like a parent. Use your words. That Jesus is Lord. Come on, start to confess it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is the Lord. You sound half convinced. There's quite a lot at stake on this. It says, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's where my righteousness comes from. Yeah. That's what makes me right with God. Come on. And that's all. Yeah. It goes down a little bit further and it says, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's what saves me. But it's my confession that Jesus Christ is Lord that makes me right with him. Yeah. How about confessing it a little more? Jesus. Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, Jesus Christ you are is Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is my Lord. That's all you've got to do. That's all I've got to do. Come on, how many of us work really hard trying to get things right sometimes with God? I want things right. I want things in the right order. What must I do to be saved? Very simple. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that God, the Father, rose Him from the dead on the third day. That's it. 
lemon season, eh? I think you guys put too much of it in your breakfast. That's it. If you can't celebrate that, what can we celebrate? Come on. Come on. Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes. Believe in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. That he was risen from the dead. All my sins. That's all the the, the messes, the stuff-ups I've made. All gone. Yeah. Just like that. I was emailing with someone the other day and they said to me, and we're feeling quite condemned by some stuff that had happened in their life. I said to them, very simply, I said, have you asked Christ to forgive your sins? Your mucker? They said, yes, I have. I said, why are you feeling quite condemned by something that doesn't exist? Yeah, so good. That's what it's saying. Yeah. It's saying, come on, people live free. All you've got to do. Yeah. They say, Jesus, I believe that you're my Lord, and I believe in my heart that you were risen from the grave. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It's so good. It's awesome, isn't it? He's yes. done everything else. Yes. He's done it all. He's done it all. He's done it all. It's like, I've really got, I've got to do nothing. At the end of the day, there's not a lot you've got to do. Yes, we pursue Him with all our being. Yeah. I want to be a passionate disciple of Christ. Yeah. I want to be a disciple of Christ who represents Him as accurately as yeah. I can. Yeah. I want to be a disciple of Christ who walks in love with Him and not all the trappings of religion. Yeah, come on. But, but that's where I want to go on the journey. That's not what sets me free. That's not what connected me with Jesus. Yeah. That was simply, you are my Lord. I believe that the Father yeah. raised you from the dead. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This morning as we take the cracker, it represents Jesus' body that was broken, that was beat, beaten, that was killed on the cross. When that took place, he took the, the weight, literally, of the world's sin. Sin, sin just means where we missed the mark, where we got it wrong. Jesus took the weight of all of that for every one of us on his shoulders when he went on the cross. And so as we take the biscuit, that's what we're remembering. He went to the cross. But can I remind you this morning, as he went to the cross, the Father raised him from the dead three days later. Going's only the start of the story only the start. How about you take the cracker this morning and remember what Jesus has done for us. Thank you, Jesus. And then the juice represents the blood of Jesus. On that cross, his blood was spilled. He died. Paid everything so that we can now call him Lord. How about you give him thanks as you take the cup this morning? Thank you, Jesus. How about on the count of three, we all say together. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. One, two, three.
23. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Take a moment just to align your heart. Father, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And in doing so, bought my salvation. this morning how many in this room made that confession for the very first time. I wonder how many in this room for the first time the penny perhaps dropped and you said, man, in my heart, I do believe that he was raised from the dead. If that's you this morning, first time confession, you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. Bible says you are saved. That means you are connected with God for this life through all eternity. That is a cool thing. Yeah. It means from this moment forth, you don't have to try and strive and do it on your own. You get to do it with Him. Yeah. Your best life is lived with Jesus. Yeah. If you did that this morning for the very first time, if you confessed that this morning for the very first time, before you leave today, can you please tell the person that you came with or tell somebody what you've done? Because that confession to another person will just solidify it. Solidify that step in your will. And it is so, so important. Well, we're going to continue in our worship. And Pastors Wayne and Libby are going to do that. And I'm going to introduce them now because when they finish leading us they're just going to transition to the message however that happens whatever it looks like but it is so good having you guys here today thank you i know you could be anywhere thank you for being with us great great we've known these guys for a long time now and uh their home church is equipers church in auckland city sister church for us and um wayne and libby have spent many many years sowing into the body of christ in New Zealand and around the world. And it's a great privilege to have us with them today. And I was just saying in the first gathering, one of the things that I haven't watched to critique, but I've watched in a sense of awe, really, is the way that they've kept their hearts focused on what God's asked them to do. They remain soft and pure before God. They spend time on stages all over the world. You could easily lose the plot doing that. And I'm not naive enough to believe that it's come at no price for them. I know they work really hard and you love your intimate space with God who holds us. I really honour you today. I think you're absolute champions of the faith. I really do. And so how about we jump to our feet? We are going to worship, but before we do, I would like us to give a proper Hamilton welcome. To Wayne and Libby, thank you for being with us. Enjoy yourselves. Be at home. Have fun. Thank you. 
Was that the prayer and the song of anyone's heart this morning? Jesus is it. Jesus is it. He's everything we need. He's everything we need. He's all we look to. He's our desire, our dream, our prize. We love you, Jesus. Come on, let's worship you this Thank you. 
against you, any weapon that's trying to come against you. Let's lift up his name. Jesus, we declare that you are God. We lift up your name, oh Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ.
Jesus, Jesus, oh, power at the name. No other name can stand in your presence. No other name can stand in your presence. The name of sickness has to bow. The name of poverty has to bow. Chains have to be broken. Shackles have to come off The name of bondage has to bow At the name of Jesus At the name of Jesus At the name of Jesus Lack has to bow Death has to bow Slavery has to bow Jesus trumps them all He's the only name This is the only name Freedom's in his name, healing's in his name, provision's in his name, salvation's in his name, redemption's in his name, miracles are in his name, breakthrough is in his name, life, color, wide open spaces are in his name, everything we need is found in the name of Jesus, everything you have need of this morning is found in Praise for the name of Jesus. 
He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So worthy of our praise. So worthy of our effort. So worthy of our sacrifice. Jesus, you're worthy of every effort we can make this morning. Lord, with us to lift up our hands, to lift up our voices, just to present ourselves before you as living sacrifices. To say, Father, you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of everything we can bring. There's nothing we can do that's too much. Because, Lord, we, just, you, we owe you our lives. So we lift up and we elevate your name this morning. We declare, just as Pastor Sheridan said, Jesus Christ is my Savior. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus Christ, you are the name above all names in my life. And for that reason, we know that you, you go ahead of us, that everything, every knee shall bow before your name. We declare it, your kingdom, your kingdom rules on this planet. Man, amen, 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 amen. Take your seats, please. Um, of kind of pushing too hard when it comes to, to praise, especially in, in a church that's not my home church, but Pastor Sheridan did say make yourselves at home. So, um, you know, there's just no, we, I know what it's like on a Sunday morning when I'm, when I'm in those seats. I don't feel like it. You know? I'm, when, I, when I'm up here, I'm jumping around, the adrenaline's going, and it's easy. It's easy to praise God there, but when I'm down there, it's like just waking up. You know, I'm thinking about the coffee. I'm, I've just had one, but I want another one. And so when the worship leader is saying, come on, let's praise Jesus. It's just, it's, there's no effort that you can make that's too much. And there has to be a sacrifice. If there's no sacrifice, it's like we're taking but not giving. And our first response as Christians, if you think about every other religion in the world, when you think about them worshiping their God, you get this picture of some Amazonian tribe bowing down and giving sacrifices. Right? Every other religion in the world is the people giving sacrifice and giving their tribute to their God. Christianity is the only one where God made the sacrifice. So, so when we come in and we praise, we're, not, we're, we're, give, we're, we're praising and giving sacrifice in response to His sacrifice. There's a big difference, really big difference, because we're not doing it out of fear, we're doing it out of gratitude, into His course with thanks and praise. Yep, okay, cool, all right, I've got, I've got most of you, I think I've got most of you right there. Okay, can, can we make an effort? I just think there's so much more, and when, when, when you get to that moment of worship, it's so much deeper when you've reached higher praise, when you've given more, when you've really pleased them. We have the opportunity every Sunday morning to walk in here and bring pleasure to the heart of God. Man, I, I would love him. I, I, you know, I, I want to see, I want to see like Jesus attracted to our church. I want to see Jesus attracted to Equipus Church in Auckland. So by all means, stay quiet. <laughs> okay, um, this has gone a slightly different way than I thought it was going to go. <laughs> just, give, just bear with me for one second. Um, can you all please say hi to Michael? We're at Michael, Michael down here. Michael is our um, 
Michael is a student at Creative Lab this, this year who's from all the way from Switzerland. In fact, come say hi quickly, just a real quiet. Just what God's called you to. Hi, everyone. So, yeah, I'm Michael from Switzerland. And when it's really a privilege and an honor to be here with you guys, especially after what happened yesterday evening. Man, it's, it's amazing to see what happens when cre creation comes together unified and, and lift up his name. We are all his creation. And, and just something shifted in the atmosphere yesterday, not only in this building, but like I felt something shifted in, in this region, the atmosphere. Vibe. When people come together as a body of Christ declaring and lifting up Jesus' name, I, I felt something is, and I'm excited for you guys because of the times you're gonna experience here, something is gonna happen. And I really am inspired to take something with me home and to start a similar kind of worship network movement. And it's a privilege for me to be here. Thank you very much. Well said. Well said. Good day. Um, actually, it's really exciting to see what's happening in other countries, to see what, what God is doing in Switzerland and in Germany and in um, Rome and Italy. We've got Equipus Church there. It's just, it's so exciting when you realize that God really is building his church. And it's the, the same Holy Spirit, you know, is building the same church around, around the world. Now, our job is just to align ourselves with what he's doing and just say yes. And so my, my, the overall kind of vibe I get for this morning, this, this, this morning's early service was slightly different. This today, but I'm feeling the same word. The word is rebuild, rebuild, restore, uh, release, you know, all the re-words. Restore, refresh, rebuild, restore, refresh, rebuild. That, that whole idea of, of building the church. Um, and it came when I read um, a story in Acts 3, which is when Peter and John uh, showed up at the temple to, uh, to pray at the, time of, at the time of prayer. And a beggar was there, and um, most of you know the story. But what people don't, don't read on or remember is what he says to the people after that. So they rock up to the temple, and a, and a dude is there, a lame beggar, and asking for money. Of course, we all know what they said. They said, silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Cool? It's, a, it's a beautiful to be able to say, in the name of, I don't have any money, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the guy rose and walked, and with joy, was thanking God and praising and leaping and walking and having a good time. Right? And then all the people were freaked out. People were going, holy wow. Like, look, look at this dude. This is a guy that we know. He's been begging there for years. And we've seen him, and now he's running around. And Peter addresses the people and says, why are you so amazed? I'll tell you what he says. Um, while the man held on to Peter and John, that's a grateful guy. Hey, thank you. All the people were astonished and came running to them in this place. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? It's not us. In fact, it was. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Now, they're all thinking, hey, we know that name. That's the guy that was just that big hullabaloo in Jerusalem where he got crucified. That's the guy that came around and did miracles. We remember him. You mean these guys are now doing miracles in his name? Yes? Thank you. <laughs> Just to let me know you're still awake. Um, 
the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate. Right about now, they're feeling like, oh, shame. Hey, feelings stink. Though, he had, though Pilate had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you instead. You killed the author of life. Hey, that's really handing it to them. Savage. But God raised him from the dead. There, yeah, now it starts to get, I mean, they're still feeling pretty stink by now. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and you know was now made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all, as you can all see. It's like he's proving his point now. You can see that this Jesus that we believe in is actually real, and he's risen from the dead. You may have not seen him, but we have. That's awesome. And to prove it, this guy's healed. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. So they're like, oh, yeah, okay. I know, you, I know you killed him, but you acted in ignorance. You didn't know what was going on. So many of us just don't know what's going on. We don't see what God is doing. We don't see the big picture. We don't see how, how God has actually infused life into all of us. We just, we just react the way that we react as humans in ignorance because so many of us are still not locked into what the Spirit is doing. When you understand what the Holy Spirit is doing, you see what God sees. You're able to align yourself with what He's doing. When you don't, you have no idea what He's doing and you do dumb stuff. We do dumb stuff. <laughs> um, so I know you acted in ignorance, and, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. They know about this Messiah, they just haven't put the two names together. They, the prophets have been saying for a long time, for hundreds of years, there's a Messiah coming. Then they saw this Jesus, but they didn't put the two together. And now he's putting it together and saying, yep, that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty meaty line. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. Heaven had to receive Jesus until the time comes for God to restore everything. There is a restoration coming, and with it, Jesus will come back. But until then, heaven must receive him. Jesus ascended to heaven, but he's up there interceding. And there is a time coming where God is going to restore everything. Restoration. But meanwhile, we don't see Jesus. And we have to stumble along our way, not seeing Jesus, but seeing in the Spirit and trusting by faith that God is coming to restore everything. <clears throat> um, uh, for Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses, from among your own people. This is a long time ago too. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who doesn't listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, just to drive home the point, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are ears of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. 
Every prophet has spoken about these days, he's saying. Basically, he's putting the whole Old Testament into summation. He's taking the whole lot and said, right from Abraham, he mentioned Abraham, right from Moses, all the way through there, all the prophets, they've all spoken of this day where Jesus has come. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that even though the temple has been destroyed, he's come back and in three days he's risen and he's rebuilt the temple, being the system of worship. Like, the temple is not, what, the, te- the tabernacle was never about a tent. The temple was never about you know, stone pillars and big angels in it. The temple to Jesus was always about his body and the spirit of God and a system of worship. Now we can come back to God and worship him. We have access now to God to be able to worship him because of what Christ has done. He said, destroy this body and in three days, or destroy this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. And they thought he was talking about stone. And he was saying, no, no, my, my, when I tell a story, I've got a way bigger picture than what you think. A way bigger picture. He's using all of history to teach us that, man, even now, heaven has received Jesus, must receive Jesus until the time comes where God will restore everything. But meanwhile, we're down here freaking out because we can't see Jesus. And we're wondering, is he really going to come back? Is God really coming back to restore everything? Yeah, yeah, good, good answer. Think about the disciples. They had been hanging around with him for three years, believing, believing. They even, they even declared it. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. They've said it. And he said, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Right? And then they're sitting in a room after he had died going, what the frick just happened? <laughs> Is he really coming back? They had declared, his, they had declared him Messiah. And yet there they are in this room, and he's died because they didn't see yet. They hadn't really seen. They hadn't really recognized that Jesus, when he tells the story, he means it. He even told them, hey, then the Son of Man must die. He must be crucified. He must suffer. He must go through this stuff. And they're like, no, don't say these things. And the same Jesus who a minute ago said, Peter, what you have been revealed is from the Father, is now calling him Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> It's so funny. Couldn't just be, get behind me, you man of little faith. No, it's get behind me, Satan. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's a bit rough. Because when you, see, when, you, when you see what Jesus is talking about, there's only one way. If you go any other way, it's not what he's saying. It's, it comes straight from the enemy. Those are lies. You've got to see what, what Jesus sees. When you see what Jesus sees, there is, there, there is restoration coming. There is the one coming back, and all things will be restored. He is rebuilding his church even today. You know, since, since Jesus, when Jesus came to the church, this is, this is a th- sorry, a thousand years after David. The first church was Moses. Right? Very first church, Moses. That church was pretty boring. There was no music. There was no dancing. There was no flags. There was no PA. There was no lights. There was no fancy LED screen. It was just, it was all about obedience. You just obey and then, and then sacrifice a cow. Yeah, that was like fun worship. But it, there was, the whole point was the first step towards intimacy is obedience and sacrifice. Got to break the will. Oh, yeah, hello? I don't want to preach that. I just, we, you got that, eh? That's the first step. So, that, and that lasted for a long time. That was worship for a long time until that was, the, all that whole tabernacle was like lost, all the furniture was lost, 
because uh, they treated it with irreverence and disrespect. They never quite got the point. And then one day, David became king. When David became king, he said, man, I'm going to set up this temple again. I'm going to set up the tabernacle again. I'm going to set up a system of worship again because that's where our power lies. We've got to get into intimate worship with God. And then when we're in relationship with him again, everything is restored. And so he, when he becomes king, his first act is like, we've got to get our worship right. Where's the ark? Where's the ark of the covenant? Goes, finds it, brings it into Jerusalem, screws it up the first time. Dude dies. So then he has to get it right. And he brings it in on the shoulders of the priests. They set up worship. He adds music and dancing, prophecy and joy. Hey, this is the first time that that stuff has been added to worship. Why? Because David was a man after God's own heart. David didn't learn to worship in the tabernacle. He learned to worship out in the field. He learned to worship with the harp. And, you know, and that guy sang these amazing songs. He wrote, he wrote so many songs. The songs of David are really weird songs. Like there's some really weird stuff in there. And when you read it, I'm, sometimes I'm like, man, that was really honest. <laughs> but how many of us have read a Psalm of David and thought, that's exactly how I feel today? Because the Holy Spirit has used them. The Holy Spirit says, hey, I know how you're feeling. That's what he wants with us, that type of relationship. To have closeness, to have intimacy with him, with, uh, between us. And David was a man after God's own heart, which means he knew what was in the heart of God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they ran away. When David sinned, he ran into the heart of God and writes the song saying, Create in me a clean heart. How did he know what was in the heart of God? How did he know that he could run to God and be forgiven? This is a thousand years before Jesus came. How did he know that there was mercy and forgiveness and redemption and grace in the heart of God? Because he was a worshiper. Because he was intimate with God. Out in the fields, he's playing his harp and he's singing these songs and he's being really, really honest. And let's face it, that's all God wants from us. Honesty. And so because he, was, because he, has, he had that type of relationship, that's the type of relationship he gave to the people when they worshiped that way. When he set up the worship, it was like this all worship. Let's, he was cool, man. He had choir competitions. He, like, he put a choir on that side and he put a choir on that side so that they could sing it off. Choir off. Pitch perfect. <laughs> you know, it, was, it, would have been, it would have been hilarious to watch, but also awesome. Because those guys would, like, there was so much music and so much life because that's who David was. So much life. And where the Spirit of God is, there is life. And so he, he brought with him the spirit of prophecy. All of a sudden, the people could hear God for themselves. That's the type of, that's the type of worship that God wants from us. Even Jesus said it. It doesn't matter whether you worship in the temple or the mountain or in Jerusalem or Samaria. Or Samaria. It doesn't matter if you worship in your car or at the office or at the, or at the house, out in the field when you're going for a walk. It doesn't matter where you worship as long as you worship in spirit and honesty. All he wants is transparency, honesty from you. When you get that, you, he's, he's there. He can handle all your sin. He can handle your guilt. He can handle your condemnation. He can handle your... Uh, your anger. I'm not the only one in this room, I'm sure, that's yelled at God. Got angry with Him. And he can handle that because it's honest. It's all He's wanting. So, um, 
So that was David's tabernacle. I mean, and David teaches us so much about worship. We think, okay, cool. He's got it, he's got it sorted now. But then, and then another king came, his son, Solomon. And he was called, he got to build the actual temple, but it was David's heart. Right at the end of his life, like Solomon gets the ultimate privilege to build the first stone temple, which, is, which isn't a tent, based on the vision of his father who had a heart after God. But it was Solomon's privilege, however it was David's heart. At the end of his life, Solomon ended up worshipping foreign gods, which I'm sure his father turned in his grave. Every king after that just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Right to the point where, they, where God said, this, this, having a temple for you to worship me is pointless. Because your hearts are not there. I don't care about the temple. I don't care about your hearts. So he, he allowed it to be destroyed. This is the symbol of the worship of the people of God, the temple. You get me? And God allows it to be destroyed. All those prophets started prophesying during this time. Hey, there's a Messiah coming and he will restore everything. Once again, all the people thought, one day we will see the temple rebuilt. It's got nothing to do with stone. God keeps prophesying, a Messiah is coming and, and he shall be called, you know, a wonderful counselor and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And they all thought it was a political thing. Yeah, one day we're going to see our temple restored. It's got nothing to do with a building. When you build the church, he builds you. And so when Jesus came, he embodied it all. He said, no, hey, now I'm going to come back. And, I'm, and when I come, I'm, I'm going to bring with me the real heart of worship, which is the Holy Spirit. And he came with them and he brought the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit enters the church. And one day, 3,000 people come to the Lord based on a sermon by a dumb fisherman. Amazing. From there, they just kept, they just, this, this healed guy, one of many. Peter and John walk in, heal a lame beggar, and it just carried on. They just kept on doing so many miracles. Thousands were coming into the kingdom every day because of power, because now the Spirit was into the church. He was rebuilding the church, not with stone, but with spirit. You, are you feeling the vibe? Eh? It's like, oh man, he's rebuilding, he's rebuilding. There's an amazing verse in Amos, in Amos 9. Here, I'll find it. Oh, here it is. Amos 9 verse 11. He says, In that day I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damaged walls. From the ruins I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. And Israel will possess what is left of Edom. And all the nations I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken and he will do these things. Right at the end of it, it says, And I believe this is for somebody here. And I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. And I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. We see Israel now firmly planted in their own land. And he said it, they will never again be uprooted. I don't care what's going on there, they will never again be uprooted. But if that's what he meant in the physical for his own people, what does he mean for you? I do believe someone here, that, that belongs to somebody. I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I've given them, says the Lord your God. There's restoration coming. I will, in that day, I will restore the fallen house of David. 
Uh, it was a quite a freaky thing for us last night to stand here and watch uh, so many worship leaders and worship people from different, from 15, 15 churches or so, uh, gather here last night and lift up Jesus in unity. You know that verse that says, um, where two or more gathered in my name, I will be there? Sometimes I feel like just Jesus saying, if I can get two of these, th- two of these guys to agree, I'll come see that for myself. Fifteen churches all coming together and agreeing in unity. He's rebuilding his church. At the beginning of the year, we had two days up in Auckland called Open Heaven, where all the major churches got together at the Viaduct Event Centre and praised and worshipped and basically had a prayer meeting for Auckland. It was incredible. We've tried to do things like that before, and they're just like a fail. Because everybody's got their agenda, and, and who's going to pay for it? <laughs> I know, right? And in this one, I stood there, like, the, the place seats two and a half thousand people. Um, not seats, sorry, stands. Uh, by regulation, you're only supposed to have two and a half thousand people there. And we were like, mm, are we going to get enough people? It was like Life Church and C3 and Equivers and Harborside and kind of the, the big ones. Yeah, all the big, and then a lot of a lot of the, a lot of other churches came on board and said, "Yeah, we're in for that." And three thousand people showed up that first night, and they're all like jam packed in that place. And I was like, literally, I was right in the center of the room, freaking out, going, "Oh my gosh, this feels so amazing when we dwell in unity, because God is building His church." And then the next night we led worship, and so I'm up on the stage, I'm looking out the sea of Christians, finally getting together how long some some pastors have waited so long to see churches get together in a place like that and just be unified and lift up and pray for their city and to see that to see that to see this last year uh, last night i was at a prayer breakfast earlier on uh, at the at the end of last year where well, oh man i can't even remember how many churches somewhere like 60 churches represented leaders just just getting together nobody knew it was at eden park you know, and we had breakfast, we, we, we did worship, and it was like, um, you know, I had, to, I had to calm down the worship so I wasn't too kind of crazy, because we had to accommodate, and I, I, was I going to stand there and go, no, we have to do a praise song, a jumpy one? No, I gave that away, because that's not important when we're getting so many people together. They, we still praised, it was just not jumpy. <laughs> And all these leaders got together and they're praying. And they're praying in the spirit. It's still, the worship still went deep. The worship still went prophetic. It felt beautiful. There was a Holy Spirit presence there. And royalty, the princess of Tonga got up and she spoke and she spoke on the, on the power of the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. 60 churches get together then. All the big churches, 3,000 people come for two nights to pray. Last night we seen 15 churches getting together. God is building his church. He's bringing, and it's a time of restoration. It's a time of rebuilding. It is a time of refreshing. Matthew 16, there is that story of um, when, um, when Jesus asked the disciples and said, Who's, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? I said, I loved it this morning. Just declaring, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. Just declaring it out. 
when he said to Peter, or oh, who do you say I am to the disciples? And Peter answered on behalf of them all, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. It's a Holy Spirit revelation. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There are two arguments here. Some people think that it was, therefore, it was Peter that they built, uh, that, that he built the church, and therefore he became like the first pope. And then there, was, uh, there are other people that, that say, no, 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 he wasn't talking about Peter, he was talking about his revelation. The revelation that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. Upon that revelation, when you are revealed, when you can say that, then upon that rock I will build my church. And I, th- I think that's where it's going. I think people are starting to declare, and don't you ever be, don't let, I, I just don't think when a pastor gets up and says, hey, all the Christians in this place that have declared Jesus as Lord, you should open your mouths and say it now. Shouldn't have to work so hard to get people to open their mouths, right? I'm looking around. I, <laughs> that was really funny when you go, you're, you're kind of saying this with closed mouths, you know. I mean, if that's what you're like on a Sunday morning in church, how are you going to declare that out there where people need to hear it? If we're going to rebuild the church, it's got to start with you, your revelation. And so later on, when when we're talking about the church, he says, actually, you are living stones built on Christ, the cornerstone. Ephesians 2.20 says, For you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. When he's he's talking about building the church, do you think he's talking about stone? No. For you have come to Christ who is the living stone. He called Christ the living stone. And then he said, and you are built upon him as living stones upon living stones. 1 Peter 2. Living stones upon living stones. Your middle name is now Livingston. Wayne Livingston Huidua. <laughs> Sheridan Livingston Rogers. Turn to the person next to you and introduce yourself as somebody Livingston somebody. Yeah. Actual, do it. <laughs> Revelation 21 says, The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones. And on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. He, he, they built it on the apostles, right? Not on, not on actual stones. And now today, heaven has received Jesus until the time where God is going to restore everything. Meanwhile, God is building his church with you. You know, um, when it comes to Christmas time at home, uh, when, I, when I remember growing up, Christmas time to me was all about the hangi. Christmas hangi. Hey, that's what it was all about. It was Christmas hangi. I would wake up as a kid. I would wake up and the, at like really early, five o'clock in the morning or something. And the first thing I do is check my little stocking at the end of the bed, which was a pillowcase. You know, always had like I, I dig past the fruit, and until you get to the you know the goodies, the real stuff. And then then it's just run out there and get really excited, play with stuff until miraculously at lunchtime all this food appeared on the table. Yeah, and then it was eat, 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 and then sleep. As I got older, you know, it was pretty much the same cycle, but then eventually my, I was like, mum was getting me to set the table. 
So the, the, and then, but still the food miraculously appeared. Yeah. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden I'm doing the dishes after lunch and not sleeping. Oh, can I go and play? No, you've got to do the dishes. And then eventually, the older I got, the less miraculous the food became. <laughs> Until one day I'm like peeling spuds. I'm salting the meat. I'm digging a hole. I'm putting stones in. We're standing into a big fire. It's really early. Where, what happened to the miracle? <laughs> no, I grew up. And I, then I became a son of the house. And who took on responsibility and continued to grow the house. All of a sudden, it wasn't just for me. The magic of Christmas wasn't about me. I was now setting an atmosphere for somebody else. And, and you know, you know when at Christmas time, when you get that guy that's just, like, you get the real Christmas people. Libby is just such a Christmas, Christmas bunny. <clears throat> she, every, she loves Christmas. And I love it. I love that. that and Gracie's picked it up too, her daughter. This is the spirit of Christmas. Me and Josh are useless. Right? But we love it. I love that there's just all these traditions and, and Christmas cheer. You know the Christmas cheer people? I love those people. Merry Christmas! You know what I mean? It's everything. They wear the hat and they wear all the stuff. It's all about Christmas cheer because you're putting on the atmosphere for somebody else and it makes people feel great. You know those people who come to Christmas Day and they're just like... And you're thinking, can't you just get over yourself for one day for the sake of the kids? Get that grumpy granddad, you know, or the grumpy uncle that just can't get over themselves for one day. Put on some Christmas cheer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge, you know what we call them. Because it's, we've got to, if we're building this house, it's time for you to stop being the kids and start to be the, the adults. Start to be the grown-ups that set this atmosphere for somebody else to come in and see the miracle. You are the living stones that are building this church. And it's time to grow up and let, and let God rebuild the church. He's not rebuilding it because of walls. You can build a bigger building, but that doesn't grow you. You're the one that's got to grow. You've got to grow into God's favor. So many of you are waiting for, so many of you are waiting because God has given you a, a promise. And He's given you that promise and you're waiting and you're going, what, why haven't you given me my promise yet? You've prophesied it. How many of you received words like a long time ago and you're still waiting for them to happen? Yeah? I think there's more than that. <laughs> Sometimes we receive prophecy and it's like, I've received so many words along the same lines and it still hasn't happened. In fact, if anybody else prophesies me, I'm going to punch him in the face. Because <laughs> I'm sick and tired of hearing that same prophecy and it's not happening. And we look to God and say, why haven't you given me your promise? And sometimes God is up there and his promise is like a really big shirt. He's saying, it's here, I've given it to you, I've bought it for you, I've got it right here, but I'm waiting for you to grow into it. Now, it's not, it's not the, fact, the fact that God's holding it back from you. He's waiting for you to grow into it. But you refuse to grow. If you want your promise, grow into it. If He, get, if he gave you that money you've been praying for, could, could you handle it? <laughs> A2. <laughs> yeah. 
If he gave you the stuff that you've been praying for, could you handle it? Sometimes we pray for more power and he doesn't give it to us because we know if we had it, we'd go to our heads. Sometimes if he gave us more money, we would just waste it. And it's, and it's, just, it's just not good stewardship on his part. The church is not the new building you're about to build. The church is not the community, although that is a huge part of caring for people. The church is made up of individuals that have confessed what Peter and the apostles did, that Jesus is the Messiah and Son of God. When you have received that revelation from the Father, your response is, take me as a living sacrifice. Take me as a living sacrifice. Upon that revelation, you are transformed and built. When you recognize who Jesus is, you come under his authority and then you can go out in his authority. Matthew 22, the disciples come out and see Jesus for the first time after he's been crucified and risen. They've been in that room not knowing what was going on and then they came out and they saw him. And when they saw him, they finally recognized you really are who you say you are. That's revelation. They are, they've written, now they have no doubt you really are who, who you say you are. And who's at that point today where you know that Jesus is who he says he is? Then your response should be the same as what the, what the disciples did. And that was simply when they saw him, they worshipped. And your worship has got to be so much more than, than just, uh, the, than just the, a casual kind of clapping on a Sunday morning or lifting up songs. They then went from there. He said, now you've seen all authority is mine. Now it's been revealed to you. Now go and make disciples. We grow the church by you making disciples. Go and disciple somebody. When, when you're, I'm not, it'll start small. When you're at work and somebody says, um, yeah, man, I, I, I lost my mother on the weekend. It, it, even the non-Christians will say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But you as a Christian should be more than that. Hey, I'm really sorry to hear that. Can I pray for you? Now you're ministering. You're not preaching the gospel. You're not preaching word. You're just ministering. You pray for them and go, Lord, give them peace and comfort in Jesus' name. That's what Jesus did. He ministered peace. He ministered comfort. He ministered restoration. He ministered the kingdom. And that's our challenge, man. We we got to build the church. We got to go minister. I said to the, um, the the worship guys last night, ministry doesn't come from the platform, and ministry doesn't come from your gifts either. You know, all the we've all got gifts. We've got spiritual gifts. We've all got um, plenty of communication gifts. We've all got gifts that we can get out there, but your ministry doesn't flow from your like from instruments. Your ministry doesn't flow from a guy preaching. Like my ministry is not me preaching to you. That's just one thing that I can do. The ministry actually comes from your spirit through your gifts. Which means my ministry should continue when I get off the platform. The same gospel, the same Jesus that I'm preaching about now, I should be preaching at home. And just it should just be flowing out of me. It should be flowing out of you wherever you are. And that way, it's then not all about the platform that the church has built. Jesus ministered out of his spirit. 
Your ministry flows out of the abundance of who you are. <laughs> Jesus ministered out of his spirit, through his gifts, and a platform built around him wherever he was. Could we say the same about you? What do people say about you when they hang around with you? This is an honest question. Hey, this is really hard. Because if people walk away from you, what do they say? What do they think? Man, every time I'm with that guy, I feel depressed. Right? Or every time I'm with him, I feel all yuck because of all the gossip. Shoot, now we're getting honest. Or every time I'm with them, I feel like we're just criticizing stuff all the time. Always negative. Is that your ministry? Or is your ministry, every time I'm with them, I always feel uplifted. Every time I'm with that guy, I always laugh. I always come away from him feeling really just like funny. Life is great when I'm with that guy. I love hanging around Michael because he's always positive. You know what I mean? You know guys like that, right? full of faith all the time just fun joyful what do you minister when you're with people peace upliftingness <laughs> all right that's enough said enough said um, I'll just read that one scripture again close your eyes and receive believe this is a prophetic scripture for for you guys and I'll just it's the same one I read before but I'll read it again in that day I will restore the fallen house of David true worship I will repair its damaged walls from the ruins I will rebuild it and restore its former glory and Israel will possess what is left of Edom all the nations I have called to be mine the Lord has spoken and he will do these things I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I've given them, says the Lord your God. Deuteronomy says, God your God will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. 2 Corinthians says, For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the restoration of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 30 says, But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord, because you are called an outcast, Zion, for whom no one cares. Thank you, Father, for your restoration power. Thank you, Lord, that we can testify of your restoration power. Thank you, Lord, that you are rebuilding your church and us. That, Lord, we will be the tabernacle of David. We will be those that worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we carry the presence of your spirit with us, the presence of comfort, the presence of peace. Lord, we are vessels of your grace and your mercy. There's so many out there. Use us, Lord, as your church. Continue to use us as your church. Thank you, Jesus, for being the cornerstone upon which we are built. And we offer, our again, we offer ourselves again to you this morning as living stones. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Wayne. Yeah, fantastic.
Just before I close up, Wayne and Libby have both written two fantastic books, which I highly recommend to you. There's a whole lot of other material they've got out there as well. Rebranding Worship from Wayne. Outstanding. Journey from Libby. Highly recommend them both. I haven't read Journey. Jan has. She said it was outstanding. So get those. They're in the foyer. Jay, can you just come here for a minute? Where's Jay? Thanks. I'm just going to, I just want to use you for a moment. Thanks. As we, oh, as we finish, I need someone tall and someone I can feel comfortable with. And he'll, he'll work on both counts. And, uh, and then we're going to finish with a song. I was, just, I was thinking, and, and I really do think it's prophetic, as, as Wayne was speaking, you know that scripture where th- that Wayne was speaking about, Jesus says, on this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail. I give you the keys of the kingdom. I really sense that part of this restoration thing is the key called thankfulness. And if we can't get hold of that, we're not going to get hold of it. He flows through thankfulness. The key to intimacy with God is thankfulness. And I was thinking of um, the man in Acts chapter 3 where, uh, where Wayne said he held on to Peter. And I don't reckon he held on like this or like this or anything else. I spent enough time in India that I know when they are thankful, the guys come up and go like this. And they'll, they'll hold on like that, and you can try and walk, and they'll just walk with you. Like, as a oh. middle-class Pakia, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Thanks. Oh, good. But they hold on. They're just so grateful. They hold on. And, and, and I, that's the picture I get, that Jesus is asking for gratefulness. Just hold on while you're waiting. Hold on. Don't let go. Hold on nestle into him don't give up because he does want to rebirth something he does want to rebuild something he wants to reestablish something in your and my life and that key of gratefulness is what he wants to do it through we're going to finish with a song is that alright can we finish with a um, a grateful song something one of the ones you did it was great and, um, but I just want to pray before we do that and I think I had some notices, but I don't know what to do with them. Just a couple of things for you to remember as you go. Hey, if you are visiting with us today, it is wonderful to have you here. And um, can I encourage you, as you finish, go down the back, holding up the bag down there, fantastic uh, welcome pack there, information about who we are. We would love to help you any way we can in the journey. If you said, I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord today for the very first time, how about stopping at that table? and we will help you in your journey. And uh, they would love to hear from you. That would be great. Thank you for being so purposed in your giving. Remember, there are giving stations on the left of both doors as you leave. I encourage you to stop there. That would be great. There is no prayer meeting this Tuesday night. And most importantly, don't leave your kids behind. Very good. How about jumping to your feet? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that... What we've heard today is life. And I thank you that you care about us enough to encourage us and to instruct us. And so, Father, today I ask that those seeds that have been planted will take root, that there would be a great harvest 
of rebuilding, reestablishing, renewing in your church. And from your church, my goodness, that this country would be touched again with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you would stir in each one of us a thankful heart that we would hold on to you and we would hold on to you and we would hold on to you and where you go, we would go and that as we hold on to you we would know truly what it is to have an intimate relationship with our Lord and our Saviour Father, I bless your church today wherever we are, whenever we're there help us be like Jesus help us have that word in and out of season let our actions speak a volume this week I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank Wayne and Libby again for being with us? Wonderful, guys. Thank you. Wonderful. They're going to be with us again tonight. Let's go out with some praise. It'll be wonderful. Thanks for coming. Have a great week. Get ready to throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't. No, wrong song. Wrong song.
service we're going to come back we're so looking forward to it uh take someone out to lunch go and check out the resources but god bless and have a great afternoon